faithwire.com. Secretary of State Antony Blinken appeared before the House Foreign Affairs Committee today, and he got an earful. Today is Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. I am Dan Andros, and we'll have this top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. We do four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Just look for 4 and 3. We're here every day. We'd love to have you with us as we go through the news. Joining me today, as always, Trey Gons Phillips, faithwire.com, with a look at what's coming up. What's going on, Trey? Hey, Dan. Happy Tuesday. Same to you. You know, I uh, I, I felt all day like it's Wednesday, and we're not there <laughs> yet. Um, so coming up on the podcast, we're going to talk about Instagram. Uh, they've admitted that the app, well, they didn't necessarily admit it, but a report that was leaked to the Wall Street Journal uh, from from Instagram admits that the app does significantly harm teen users' self-esteem, uh, and then iconic or ironic, I don't know. <laughs> it's you. You can be the judge when yeah, we talk yeah. about the uh, the maskless Met Gala uh, and and what went on, <laughs> what what went on there. Uh, and then number four, we'll close out the podcast talking about three pornography sites. They're now topping Netflix uh, in popularity, and maybe a little bit of insight on what that means for our culture. Mm. All right, and I'll, before we start, I just want to mention real quick. Yesterday, we talked about that um, that New York Times and and how the FEC ruled on the Hunter Biden story, and the New York Times had called it an unsubstantiated uh, Hunter Biden story, but they quietly removed that, which I found very interesting mm. because we kind of called that out, saying, "Wait a minute, it wasn't unsubstantiated. That was the whole point. It was completely accurate." And then they didn't want anybody to report it because it was right before the election. So interesting that the New York Times kind of quietly sort of removed that. But, of course, people noticed. So uh, they got yeah. called out for it. So, all right, let's uh, start with story number one. Secretary of State Antony Blinken appeared before the House Foreign Affairs Committee this afternoon. Here's three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. Um, the hearing was supposed to be on, quote, examining the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. Blinken's the only witness that was listed. Um, the Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Robert Menendez led the hearing. Um, and last month, you know, of course, Americans and the rest of the world really watched in horror as Afghans desperately fled for their lives, were clinging to planes after the rapid collapse of the Afghan government and the Taliban takeover. And, and the Biden administration was widely panned for how they handled it. And, uh, you know, again, you just saw these horrific scenes playing out in the Taliban running through neighborhoods, shooting guns. And then, of course, the suicide bombing at the airport, just all horrific stuff. 13 American uh, servicemen and women lost their lives, which is yeah. terrible. And um, so this was the first scheduled public hearing with the administration since officials since uh, late last month. And um, several planes remain stuck at an airport in northern Afghanistan they're trying to use that one to get out because Kabul was completely kind of controlled by the Taliban. And they've been unable to leave the country for days. And and this as uh, aid workers on the ground had, they reportedly vetted the people on those planes and they had gotten them through the Taliban checkpoints. And then they were held up by the State Department. That was the claims, according to many. So that's all still in limbo. And so now you have this hearing going on. And so number two on this, Senators have been grilling Blinken. Senator Mitt Romney called out Blinken and the administration for they for the talking point that 
it was Trump's deadline and they were just sticking to it. There was nothing they could do. They were trying to essentially blame Trump on that. And Romney argued that the Biden administration delayed the date initially from May to August and said, if, if you could do that, then why couldn't you have just extended it longer? And Blinken responded by saying, well, our expectation was we'd be there beyond August 31st, August 31st, that that the government security forces were going to remain in control of Kabul and of major cities, etc. Our embassy was planning to remain there. Um, and then they said they were going to keep bringing people out after that date, but they didn't anticipate the 11 day collapse of the Afghan government. Um, that's that doesn't really actually still answer the question, but that was kind of the response he gave. And then another um, blistering uh, response and questioning came from Rand Paul, who who singled out the uh, and pointed attention to the 64 million in aid that was just sent to Afghanistan, and he also criticized the pullout o- overall. So here's uh, here's what Rand Paul had to say. But never in my worst nightmares could I have imagined that an administration would leave and leave 80 billion dollars worth of weaponry to the Taliban. Dozens of planes and helicopters, thousands of armored carriers, hundreds of thousands of automatic weapons, and worst of all, 13 of our brave young men and women. Never in my worst nightmares did anyone or conceive of such a colossal incompetence. Abandoning Bagram Air Force Base will be remembered as one of the worst military decisions in our history holding no one accountable, having everyone circle the wagons and say, hey, we all agreed abandoning Bagram Air Force Base was a great idea. This is going to be remembered by the people. Holding no one accountable for letting the base go, it will be remembered. And so then he went on to ask also about the drone strike that targeted uh, ISIS operatives and then allegedly took out an aid worker instead along with seven children. And Blinken says it's currently being reviewed, and he, so he can't comment on it until the review is done. It's a nice out there. And Paul said that you'd think you'd kind of know before you off somebody with a Predator drone whether he's an aid worker or ISIS-K. And remember, the administration had previously called this a righteous drone strike. So number three, why does it matter? Well, I mean, those responsible kind of for this mess, um, are. it seems like, Trey, that they're hoping to just sort of move along to the next news cycle and hope this sort of goes away and gets thrown down the memory yeah. hole. Um, but people are still trapped there, as I was talking about at the top. And Christians are trapped there. We, you know, We've had several reports on CBN, George Thomas and others, speaking with people there in, in Kabul and Afghanistan. And it, yeah, they're, they're, they, they were left behind and a lot of them helped us. And so you know, we absolutely have to continue to care and not forget about them. You know, the suggestion that it was uh, the the reason that we had to leave Afghanistan was because of the arbitrary date set by (laughs) Trump. It's just like it's it's obviously spin and it's not even good spin uh, because uh, uh, Biden, when he assumed office, if everybody wants to go back down, you know, memory lane to January, 
uh, Biden just kind of systematically undid every single thing yeah. uh, that his predecessor put in place. But this one thing he couldn't change. <laughs> he had to leave this one single nope, solitary yeah, decision in place. Can't move that but one. <laughs> every, right. But every other decision regarding foreign policy, uh, regarding diplomacy, um, you know, domestic issues, all of that could be changed. But this one, yeah, this one had that to one stay. Got to stay. Rock solid. <laughs> Rock solid. That one can't move. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't pass the smell test so we'll see if this does indeed this colossal mess up gets thrown down the memory hole or not but that's what they're trying to do all right so story number two well instagram's parent company facebook has acknowledged just how harmful the photo sharing app can be to teen girls self-esteem in particular uh, according to an internal report obtained by the wall street journal Uh, so here are three things you need to know we'll start number one with the details Uh, So after studying the app's impact on teenage users' mental health over the last three years, uh, researchers who were dispatched by the company, uh, Instagram, found that 32% of teenage girls who felt bad about their bodies already said their problem and that issue was made worse by Instagram use. Uh, And in one study of teens in the U.S. and in the U.K., Facebook found that more than 40% of Instagram users who reported feeling unattractive said that the feeling began on Instagram. Mm. Uh, teens told us that they don't like the amount of time they spend on the app, but feel like they have to be present there. One Instagram research manager explained, they often feel addicted uh, and know that what they're seeing is bad for their mental health, but feel unable to stop themselves and pull away. Uh, Destiny Ramos, she, was so, she is 17. She said that during lockdowns for the pandemic, Instagram was the only way to show your friends what you were doing, adding that she felt like she was leaning towards calling it an obsession. Uh, And after uh, reading the Wall Street Journal report, Derek Thompson, a writer for The Atlantic, he described social media as attention alcohol. Uh, He said it has some beneficial qualities, but it's not naturally wholesome. Many people use it often and love it and are basically okay, but a lot of people abuse it and develop unhealthy compulsions with it. Also, he added, it's functionally a depressant. Uh, So one slide summarizing the research stated that Instagram makes body image issues worse for one in three teenage girls. The internal data also revealed that teens blame Instagram for increases in the rate of anxiety and depression and findings. They, the study's authors described those findings as unprompted and consistent across all groups, meaning for three years they found the exact same thing without kind of leading uh, you know, poll and survey participants. So number two, what's Instagram saying? So a spokesperson for the app wrote in a blog post that the Wall Street Journal story focuses on a limited set of findings and casts them in a negative light. Uh, Nevertheless, the company stands by the research, which it argues demonstrates our commitment to understanding complex and difficult issues young people may struggle with. Uh, The blog post went on to write or went on to read, social media isn't inherently good or bad for people. Many find it helpful one day and problematic the next. What seems to matter most is how people use social media and their state of mind when they use it. Uh, so number three here, why does it matter? Like as Christians, we know nothing good can come from playing the comparison game, but I know it's something that we're all tempted to do. Uh, so the Apostle Paul warned against this in his letter to Galatians when he wrote, uh, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying mm-hmm. to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. 
Uh, so our confidence and our self-esteem, they shouldn't rest on our own ability because it's it's eventually going to let us down. I'm reminded of in Proverbs and the Bible says that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Uh, that just seems so fitting for this issue because mm. a lot of the stuff that we, we play the comparison game with is pretty superficial and it's going to go away. Yeah. Uh, you know, our confidence should be a product of God's uh, sufficiency in our lives, you know, and, and Second Corinthians, Paul wrote uh, that he asked God to take away the thorn in my flesh, you know, the thing that was was challenging his confidence at the time. Uh, but he wrote, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast, Paul said, all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And I have, if you go over to faithwire.com, I have more scripture in our, our post, uh, just ways that we can we can combat uh, self-esteem issues and a lack of confidence by just praying scripture back to God. Uh, and I, you know, because I think that that's so much of it. We've talked about this a lot, Dan, about identity being an issue. And I think a lot of the lack of self-confidence and, and self-esteem and playing the comparison game comes with people not realizing their identity, particularly believers uh, in Christ. Yeah, a hundred percent. And um, yeah, that was well laid out there. And um, identity issues, man, it's, it's such a, it's such a pitfall that we have. And, um, you know, we've been watching The Chosen and we're on season two now and watching it with the kids. And it's just been, first of all, if you haven't watched it, it's, it's great. You should definitely watch it. it. It gives a nice, you know, fresh look as to what it must have been like to, to be, you know, among Jesus and his disciples and followers. And so uh, it's really great. But it's funny to watch them kind of squabble at times. And, and you know, when you're talking about how we compare ourselves to one another and um, I, yeah. the, 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 one of my favorite moments in the Bible is it's, it's in Luke. And when it just set, all of a sudden just breaks out in that they, the, a dispute, uh, arose among them as to which of them was the greatest. <laughs> and I just find that so hilarious <laughs> because it's, it just goes to show our self-centered sinful nature because I mean, here they are yeah. with the Messiah right and they're all they've seen the miracles at this point like they should know but then they're sitting there talking about who's the greatest among them i mean it's like they did that with jesus sitting right in front of them basically and so right. you know you imagine how easy it is for us to stumble and to compare ourselves to one another we look around you know horizontally not vertically and i think that's just such just such a pitfall that we have yeah. And, you know, there's so many things distracting us right now, uh, whether it's social media or the news or the people around us or our communities, whatever, uh, that are all vying for our attention. And I think we should all just remember to to use social media and not let it use us. Yeah. Uh, but also it, it constantly brings me back to the story of Peter uh, when he was walking on the water. He, when he was looking at Jesus, he was able to walk on the water and he didn't fall. But mm -hmm. as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, yeah. when he took his eyes yeah. off the prize, he Sank. fell into the water. Yeah, like a rock. Yeah. Uh, you know, I there there is not a more apropos illustration, I yeah. don't think, uh, for right now for us. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. And so um, I think a fitting story to segue into on off of that conversation, Trey. Here is my story number three. And like, I'm not going to spend a ton of ton of time on this because it's it's obnoxious, but I wanted <laughs> to point it out. But AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Megan Rapinoe and a whole bunch of other politicians, celebrities, they hit up the $30,000 plus a ticket Met Gala 
last night and look reaction online is just not going over particularly well for most so here's three things you need to know starting with number one the details well for all of us normal people in the world who would never want nor be invited to the met gala <laughs> it's this rich thing that famous people go to like i said it costs a gazillion dollars uh just to attend a whole t you could spend a quarter million dollars on a table if you're like some brand and you want to try to get a bunch of famous people to sit at a table together i guess um, but when asked why she would say, so basically then what happened was AOC, she had this dress on. It was, it's like a costume gala. They all wear these statement-y sort of dresses and outfits. And, and AOC's just said it was a white dress with red lettering on the back that said tax the rich. And so when she was asked why she would want to make that statement at one of the most exclusive events on the planet, she said, well, when we talk about supporting working families and when we talk about having a fair tax code, oftentimes this is conversations happening among working and middle class people on the Senate floor. I think it's time we bring all classes into the conversation. So uh, Anna Navarro, who's not exactly some big conservative blowhard, she said, I'm not an AOC hater, <laughs> but come on, going to an event for the super rich with a tax the rich uh, written on your backside is not going to change a thing. It's a stunt to justify her presence at a her presence at a fancy shindig uh, that doesn't match her political persona. So, and then Megan Rapinoe was seen carrying a um, a, a, a purse which said "In Gay We Trust," and she also made a crude sexual gesture to the camera. So that's kind of what was going on. So number two here, um, this event benefits the. Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute in New York City, Trey. I mean, I know this is near and dear to everyone's heart. And it's run <laughs> by wealthy fashion designer Anna Wintour. It's raised over $175 million over the years, this gala. $15 million in 2019 alone. It was canceled last year because of COVID. This is for a costume center, Trey. A costume center of, of fashion. <laughs> Um, just, just as a side note, there's currently 51,000 homeless people sleeping at the shelters every night in New York city, but we've got the 15 million or more raised for the costume center. So observation number three here, why does it matter? <laughs> I mean, it's just, this is the sort of thing that hypocrisy just frustrates the average person. I mean, there weren't yeah. a lot of masks to be seen there. And, you know, remember this is the same city where kids are having to go to school with kids where the science shows that COVID doesn't really spread amongst them that much or impact them as bad. And they're having yep. to wear masks all day, every day. But you, if you're a celebrity, you can go to the gala and not wear a mask. So the hypocrisy on display and, of course, you know, tax the rich and you're making that statement. You had to spend $35,000 to say that. It's insane. And so this is just the sort of thing that's only going to drive the divide even further. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't help but think every time this comes around, the Met Gala comes around, that it's just an exercise in decadence, right? Yeah. Like it's, it, it is just self-indulgence mm -hmm. to a T. Uh, and I'm not even opposed to some of this stuff. I mean, a lot of their outfits are just, if you have never Googled like the outfits these celebrities <laughs> are wearing, I, bizarre is sometimes not even <laughs> strong enough of a word. Some of them are kind of cool looking, like I, I'll admit, uh, but a lot of them, most of them are just... <laughs> 
God. weird and weird and, yes, and hideous. Just... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but after, so this morning, Janice Dean over at Fox, uh, she tweeted, I think after saying all the celebs without masks or social distancing last night at the Met Gala, we should pretty much just move on with our lives. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and I, I want to note to Dan that um, AOC, I'm not sure if you saw this. Uh, she defended her, um, wearing that super expensive dress as a super expensive person at a super expensive party saying that we need to attach, you know, tax the yeah. super rich people. Right. Uh, she, she said that it's her responsibility, mm. uh, you know, to attend these kind of events these uh, are... to support the city's cultural institutions for the public. Yeah. Like I, this I have is... to support, like it, it's, it's, it's just, a service. It this is, is my a... cross to bear, yeah, it's my... you know, <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Look, if, if you need someone to like, we had another generation that were like, I'll go overseas and fight Japan and fight Germany and the axis of evil. I'll go yeah. send me. But no, now today it's look, send me to the Met Gala. You need someone to go. I will do it. I, cause I'm yes. heroic. So yeah, that's, that's where we're at. That's where we're at now in yeah. bravery and heroics and service today. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, for the Chick-fil-A fans out there, you have to Google yeah. AOC's dress because a lot of people were saying that it looked exactly like a Chick-fil-A bag. Yeah, the the, the uh, great meme was who wore it better and it was a picture of a Chick-fil-A <laughs> bag in the next day, AOC. <laughs> so, all right. We spent way too much time mm -hmm, on that story. Mm -hmm. So, story number four. <laughs> uh, all right, so at the height of the coronavirus pandemic, Netflix users in the United States, of which there are about 75 million, spend a little more than three hours per day on the streaming platform. But even at that, three pornography sites are currently performing better than Jeez. Netflix. Uh, so here are three things you need to know. We'll start number one with the details. Uh, so according to numbers collected by the analytics site SimilarWeb, three major smuts websites now rank higher, like I said, than the platform housing the most original content of any streaming service <laughs> currently available on the internet. Uh, so, you know, Obviously, there's no doubt that pornography is a leading, if not the leading issue, uh, plaguing the current generation. Uh, a new peer-reviewed study published in the Journal of Health Communication found an astounding 84.4% of male teenagers and 57.1% of female teens have viewed pornography, which often leads to decreased self-esteem, increased propensity towards sexual aggression, greater loneliness, lower overall satisfaction with life, a uh, decline in relationship quality, and a poorer mental health, uh, just to name literally a few things. Uh, so number two, that says nothing of the legitimate concerns about illegal content that's floating around on many porn sites. We've covered this a lot at CBN and Faithwire. Uh, there have been several instances, instances of Pornhub, which is the number one porn site in the world, uh, housing child sexual abuse material, rape footage, as well as videos involving women who were uh, literally coerced against their will into performing, you know, sexual acts for the camera. Mm. Uh, additionally, the video sharing site OnlyFans has shown uh, really to be a hotbed for this kind of content and other predatory behavior. Last month, OnlyFans briefly announced that it would ban explicit content beginning in October. Uh, they later walked that back. Uh, but it was because of a bombshell investigation that was published by the BBC, which found that underage teens as young as 13 years old, we're using fake IDs to access the platform, not only to view, but also to publish explicit content. Uh, so just a whole lot of stuff going on here. Uh, but number three, why does it matter? Like as Christians, we know that all pornography, whether it's illegal or not, 
uh, stands in contradiction to God's design for us. Uh, it, t- it teaches us to devalue our fellow human beings who are fearfully and wonderfully made, according to Psalms, uh, and in the image of God, according to Genesis. It also distracts us from from God by replacing him with a false and insufficient Savior. And I think that's the thing we don't talk about enough, Dan. Hmm. Uh, you know, because in Colossians, uh, Paul said that Christians need to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, all of those, he said, are idolatry. I think so often the root cause of of, of the sin of pornography isn't obvious. Yeah. Like it's not right on the surface. It's a result of a deeper issue, uh, like a longing for relationships or feeling mm-hmm. inadequate or crippling fear, anxiety, stress that you haven't really dealt with. And even an unmet desire to connect with God, like you don't feel like you're getting the connection you need. So we turn to other things and pornography is one of them uh, because these are real issues and they're, they're normal issues, but pornography can't solve them. In fact, it's only going to make those wounds deeper. So, I, you know, I think the takeaway here is not to mistake the momentary satisfaction that porn may give you uh, for true contentment, which only comes through a relationship with God and fellowship with you know, his, his, his body of believers, you know, the church. Yeah, absolutely. And you're, I think spot on with what you're saying about that root issue. That was something we found in, in our set free course, uh, which you can yep. still get at setfreecourse.com If you're struggling with that issue. Um, and, um, you know, talks about that, that it's, you know, inevitably a lot of times it's a worship problem. It's an ideology problem. You're, 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 you're believing a lie that something else is going to satisfy or, or yeah. you know, fix your problem, or whatever the case may be, and that's just certainly, certainly uh, not true uh, at all. And uh, real quick before we go, Trey, this sad news that was breaking right before we started taping this podcast here: uh, Norm Macdonald passed away uh, mm-hmm. at the age of, I believe, sixty-one. Yeah. Apparently, was had some health issues and uh, just hadn't really been public about him. So, wow, prayers up for his family for sure. And. Um, that's it. On that note, we're going to we're gonna head on out of here. We'll be back tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. As always, head on over to faithwire.com and cbnnews.com. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow.